the 17 of us really kind of represents kind of that the Democratic Party is really the Big Ten Party, in my opinion, because we have people with all kinds of different backgrounds and perspectives. Young people, we have such a unique opportunity to shape policy and to shape politics, not only in this election, but for generations to come. And the quote said, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? It's a question John Lewis has been asking his entire life. Welcome back to Why Not Us. Again, I'm your host, Porter Bowman, and we just finished back-to-back weeks of political conventions, something our guest this week knows a little something about. Denny Ruprecht was part of the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention last Tuesday, alongside Stacey Abrams and other young Democrats. Denny serves as a representative in the New Hampshire State House, and he's now a senior at Plymouth State University. Denny joins us now on Why Not Us. Let's get to it. So, Representative, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, Before we get to your uh, run for office, I'm curious if you could talk about your experience growing up in New Hampshire. So how did you get involved with local issues and then, you know, connect with your community in your early years? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, so I grew up in, uh, in Bath, New Hampshire, which is on the Connecticut River, kind of in the upper valley on the border of the North Country. Uh, so Vermont has always been kind of a special place to me, uh, being on the border. But anyway, um, uh, I, I really didn't get involved in, in politics uh, in any kind of serious way until high school, which is still early for most people, but <clears throat> uh, really not until high school. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, um, I really just got passionate about climate issues. Um, and really, I, I can't tell you exactly why, other than just being kind of a young person and understanding the urgency of the issue, I think. Uh, and this kind of was in tandem with just kind of discovering uh, Bernie Sanders on Facebook. This was before, this was like 2015. This was before he was even, you know, running for president or anything. Uh, actually, it was, it was 2014. Yeah, it was 2014. Um, so this is before he was running for president or anything. Um, but I would just see like some of his uh, posts on Facebook. Like Facebook had suggested his posts. And I just thought, wow, I kind of like this guy. You know, he makes a lot of sense. Certainly his kind of straight talking to the point uh, style appealed to a 15-year-old me um, who was, you know, very much an amateur when it came to politics. And so I just very much liked how, sim- you know, how simple he made things. Um, it also appealed to me as kind of an angsty teenager um, who just wanted some something to believe in, I guess. But um, anyway, so I kind of, you know, Bernie kind of lit a fire within me um, and, and, and really climate issues was, was really what, what sparked my activism. And it really just started out by just contacting some of my state representatives about climate issues. Um, and one representative got back to me. And she has been a mentor ever since. And uh, really one thing led to another, you know, since 2015 and I am where I am now. But I mean, a lot of things happened along the way and we can get into those if you want, but that's kind of the, the brief overview. Yeah, well, that, that, that's great. And that was actually my follow-up question because you did have some, you know, political experience. I mean, granted, you're still, you know, you're like me, you're a rising senior in college. 
Um, you know, but you did have some political experience under your belt, you know, before you ran for office. Can you talk about those experiences and what those opportunities were like and how they prepared you for, um, for deciding to run for the state house? Sure. So, um, it was the summer of 2015, uh, when I started volunteering on the Sanders campaign, uh, you know, in New Hampshire, leading up to the primary. So that was when I really got my start in any kind of organizational politics. In tandem with that, Sue Ford, who is the representative who re responded to me about climate issues, Sue Ford put me on the New Hampshire Legislative Youth Advisory Council, which is a statutory committee within the legislature. And it's you know, made of high school students and college students with the sole purpose of advising the legislature on youth issues. So those were my first kind of two uh, experiences. From there, I was a page to the Democratic National Convention in 2016 for the New Hampshire Democratic Party, which kind of raised my profile a little bit, even though I was at this point going into my senior year in high school. Uh, I was I, one of the state senators reached out to me to work on his campaign, which I did. Um, I was his campaign director. Um, and from there, uh, you know, I did the, the United States Senate Youth Program as a senior which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but um, it's, it's a program that was set up by the, the U.S. Senate in the 60s. Um, you know, like Susan Collins is an alum, for example. But anyway, so I just, you know, throughout high school, I just, you know, politics was very much my main priority, even more so than academics, which in some ways was, was, a, was a good thing, in other ways not such a good thing. But politics even still is really a big part of who I am and what I do. Um, but, but it wasn't until my freshman year uh, sorry, my sophomore year of college that I, that I, that I ran for office. So, so you're in college, uh, you know, what, I mean, you're a fellow Panther, um, you know, I'm at Middlebury, you're at Plymouth state. Uh, oh, what, Panthers too. We are Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> proud Panthers. Oh, yeah. Um, so what, when you're a sophomore, what, what is it like, you know, what was that election like as you're deciding to run for office? What do you, what do your peers think? What, do people think around you? I'm sure you had a lot of supporters, but I'm sure some were skeptical about your run. Um, and then, you know, talk about the election, but also kind of what it's like now being in school and, you know, balancing that with your legislative responsibility. Well, it was crazy. Um, I've had a really just crazy ride uh, since I graduated from high school. Not just in, in being a legislator, it's just one part of that. Um, I started out at the University of New Hampshire went there for a year. So now we're talking about the spring of 2018. The spring of 2018 is when I kind of tenuously decide that I'm going to run. Um, I had been having conversations a lot with people before that, uh, the summer before that, but 2018, spring 2018 is when I decided to run. But at the same time, I, was, I decided that I was transferring to St. Michael's College, which I'm sure you're familiar with over in, in Colchester. So I announced I'm running for the state house in the spring. I transferred to St. Mike's. I'm running for the state house in New Hampshire while at St. Mike's. Um, and that was, I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, in the fact that I was, you know, starting out at St. Mike's trying to, you know, get my, you know, get everything situated over there. Meanwhile, I'm running for office over here, which is about, you know, two and a half hours away. Maybe not that far, but like two hours away. And that was just very hard to balance, very hard to manage. Uh, I ended up withdrawing from St. Mike's to you know just focus on my run and I was elected and once I got elected I had to kind of reassess where I was you know where I was going as a student 
so I came to Plymouth and the rest is history and I'm, you know, and uh, I'm finishing up my senior year right now. So. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm curious now that, you know, today I just moved up here in the campus. I'm, I, as I was doing research about you, I saw a great video of you, you know, doing a little orientation video, putting on a mask and talking about how important all those precautions are. I'm curious what campus life is like, um, you know, dealing with COVID and then, Talk about how you as a representative have tackled those issues, you know, whether for healthcare, voting, or economic, uh, you know, to help your constituents and sort of how those two experiences have uh, treated you sort of in this crazy time. Yeah. Um, well, the legislature had a unique challenge as far as meeting goes during the pandemic. We we have 400 members of the House of Representatives in New Hampshire, so it's a large body. So in order to social distance and everything, we had two meetings over the summer uh, at the University of New Hampshire Whittemore Center, which is their ice arena. So we met there twice over the summer to try to address the, the, the pandemic. Unfortunately, for procedural reasons, we weren't able to really uh, kind of address it in earnest because that required the Republicans to work with us uh, and they wouldn't because we needed a two thirds majority vote in order to suspend the rules and really kind of address some of these issues. Um, we were able to, thanks to the efforts of the Senate, they put together a lot of omnibus bills. We were able to address some issues. We were able to, um, you know, put in, put in uh, uh, protections for renters, for example protections for renters and, and uh, land, you know, homeowners, for example. Um, that's just one example that unfortunately was stymied. We also were able to pass a, a, a voter protection bill, a bill that would allow people to vote, for, you know, vote uh, by mail. Uh, that was also stymied by the governor. Um, and those are just two examples of some of the efforts we had. Um, but any, any kind of further efforts we were unable to do uh, because of procedural issues. Um, as far as at as school goes, uh, you know, I've been here since the beginning of August, um, and it's definitely a lot different. I mean, you know, as far as everybody was wearing masks, the social distancing, uh, going to class online, uh, it's a lot different, obviously for good, obviously for good reason. Um, and I'm, but I'm just, I'm just glad to be back as well. Um, because you know I haven't been here since since February really, um, so it's just good to be back on campus. Absolutely, yeah. No, I I feel the same way. So what 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 is that work? How how's your work change in terms of your, you know, being home and you know I'm sure your relationships with constituents have changed a lot and just sort of the daily work of, um, you know, being home in your district and responding to, uh, the needs of those you serve. How how has that work changed and you know, have you been able to maybe tell some stories about, um, you know, some people that you've helped and the experiences you've been able to, to have sort of, um, you know, now in the uh, serving during the pandemic? Certainly at the, at the very beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of help that was required by folks, um, a lot of small business owners, uh, just for example, uh, who, were, who had a lot of questions about what was going to happen with their business when they had to shut down, directing a lot of people, uh, towards federal resources, um, as far as, you know, all kinds of uh, benefits for small businesses and that sort of thing. Um, so I felt, you know, a lot like 
and unemployment too, helping people navigate unemployment. Um, so I definitely kind of felt like I was a, a social worker for, you know, for a little bit there, uh, more than anything. Um, but I, you know, and I think that's such an important part of our job and such a meaningful part of our job. But at the same time, uh, I can't ignore the fact that we are expected to kind of be full-time, uh, you know, this is expected to be a full-time job, but we're paid or, you know, as volunteers, not even, you know, volunteers get paid better. And I don't say that to say that we need to get, you know, that we deserve more money just because, just because, but what I mean is we have a lot of commitments, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of time that we put in uh, and we don't get compensated for it. And if you're retired, that's okay. But you know, if you're a working person, if you're, even if you're professional, if you're, you know, anybody who needs to work for a living or go to school, uh, it's very hard to do. And certainly that was my case as well. Um, I would love to help more people, but uh, there is, there are limits, you know? So, so, so would you like to see that change? Would you like to see that increased and, you know, maybe, maybe that would help other young people like yourself run or how would you approach that issue? Yeah, this is kind of a perennial debate and I don't know what the, what the right answer is. Um, either people need to maybe expect a little bit less of the representatives or be willing to pay more. Um, and of course, nobody wants to do either of those things, but um, something needs to give, I think. Um, so people have talked about shrinking the size of the house. Um, that's one option people have talked about. People have talked about just you know, raising the, the salary. Um, just, you know, without making any reductions to the numbers, just raising the salary. Um, I'm not sure what should be done exactly, uh, but I think something does need to be done. Um, and it's unpopular because, um, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because, you know, when I was running, that's what I heard a lot. People thought, you know, gee, you should get paid for what you're doing, that sort of thing. So I think maybe it's not as unpopular as some people might want to say, but but um, I, don't, I don't see anything happening anytime soon, unfortunately, but it's something we need to think about. That's that, that's interesting. I. That, that, that's sort of a, a new issue for us. I, I, I do want to touch on an issue, which I have asked everyone who has come on the show, which is, um, you know, whether or not you support term limits. There are no term limits in New Hampshire. You've got two-year terms, like a lot of state legislatures. Um, do you feel like term limits are a good thing, bad thing? Um, how would you uh, respond to sort of how New Hampshire operates? I think for any kind of executive branch, I think term limits are a good thing. So we don't have any term limits for governor, and I think we, we probably should. Um, but as far as the legislature goes, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in term limits, and maybe that, sell, maybe that sounds self-interested, but um, I certainly don't plan on sticking around too much longer in the legislature because I need to start supporting myself financially and all that stuff. Um, but really, I think, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the executive branch, there are a lot of unique powers. There are, there's a lot of power, and there's the ability to really shape uh, the politics you know, the political landscape, the economic landscape of a state or a country. Um, and I think that's a lot of power for one person to have. Um, and, and just the influence that one person can have on shaping the entire politics, culture, climate of a state or country. I think that needs to be limited. As far as the legislature goes, I think it's obviously different in that power is distributed among many people. Uh, also, I think it's really, I think that perspective that comes with time is very valuable. I think kind of that institutional knowledge is valuable. Um, I really kind of worry about the thought of just having new people in, in the, legislat the legislature, the legislative branch, whether it's on a state level or a federal level, because I really think that it's important to kind of understand the history of these institutions, the traditions, the, 
just all there is to know about these institutions. So um, really, I think, and I think these, these bodies require uh, really strong leaders and um, that's not something that's, that's easy to get if you have a big, if you have a lot of turnaround, uh, and nothing gets done in the legislature or the, or the, you know, Congress without key individuals. Um, and I'll give you an example here in New Hampshire. Uh, Rennie Cushing is his name. Uh, Rennie is a legislator from the seacoast of New Hampshire. Rennie, uh, after about 20 years of, of working on this, he finally, we were finally successful in repealing the death penalty in New Hampshire. And every year Rennie submits a bill to do this. Um, and it's, it's personal for Rennie because, uh, you know, when he was growing up, his dad was uh, killed by an off-duty police officer at their home. Uh, but Rennie's, you know, very, you know, adamant that we shouldn't have the death penalty. But I mean, but it took Rennie sticking around for, you know, over 20 years to finally get this done. So that's just an example. I think you really need, you really need people sticking around in the legislative branch. So talk about people who have stuck around. I mean, I'm sure as you come in to the legislature, you're, you know, you're brand new and you're kind of learning on the fly. You talk about Sue Ford, who are, you know, talk about her or talk about others who have sort of helped you back when you first got elected, kind of get into the game and figure out, you know, how to legislate, how to do all the little bits and pieces of the job. Um, and maybe how you've continued to work with other young people who you've caucused with and, um, you know, work with to sort of, uh, highlight youth issues and, um, you know, provide a new perspective, but also continue to learn. Yeah. I mean, I learned best by doing, I think. And so it took me probably a few months of just watching, just listening, uh, and to really kind of feel comfortable participating and engaging. And Sue has been a mentor since I met her, you know, in 2015 in so many ways. I mean, she was a big mentor while I was campaigning. Obviously she was kind of a validator for me once I was elected uh, because she's in leadership in the house. Uh, we're, we're in the majority, Democrats are in the majority, we're in the majority. So that that's helpful as far as, you know, Sue, as far as I think being taken a little more seriously or being able to participate more, I think it really helps when your party's in the majority if you're a young person or anybody who's who's new and starting out. So I think that's been very helpful is just being in, being in the majority in a lot of ways because not only do I have a relationship with Sue, but, you know, the speaker I have a good relationship with, you know, with. So that's certainly helpful. Um, it, one of the first things we did, so to give you some perspective, uh, 42 people, under the age of 40 were elected in 2018 to the New Hampshire House of Representatives. About 30 of us are Democrats. So one of the first things we did was establish uh, the, the Young Democrats Caucus. Um, so I worked very closely with them uh, on you know our priorities that we have. Um, and they have been, I mean, that, that group has been helpful, I think, in, in helping uh, all of us kind of figure things out. But I also think you know, we kind of, it's a, we just kind of, you know, we don't, we're not very outward in that we don't really, a lot of the members aren't keen on, you know, listening and learning from the older folks. They have a very, you know, kind of negative perspective of the people who have been around, you know, they kind of feel like this is why we have these problems that we have. I tend to disagree with that. I mean, I, I really think that we need to bring our new voices and perspectives, but you can learn a lot from people who've been around and they're not inherently bad and, and, you know, you can't lay the blame all the blame for everything at their feet. So I think that is kind of a, an internal dialogue that we have. Uh, but certainly that group has been helpful in, in supporting all of us 
um, as legislators and as candidates now, you know, running for re-election. That's fantastic. So sh shifting nationally, so go going back all the way to October 2019, you were quoted as saying that, you know, Joe Biden was the most qualified person in the Democratic primary, you know, even though you were helping out with Bernie back in 2015, you know, you supported Biden and, and you were asked to give remarks at the Democratic National Convention last week, which is super cool, um, you know, along with, you know, several other rising stars in the party. Um, first, what, what was that experience like bringing your, you know, local voice to the national stage and sort of how do you feel inspired by other young people who are serving uh, around the country who you met through that uh, and in other ways that inspire you about the ne next generation of political leaders? Yeah, well, it was, it was obviously exciting to be a part of the, the keynote, obviously very overwhelming. I was very, I was just very nervous and overwhelmed the entire, you know, for, for kind of a few weeks leading up to it. Um, but it was a good experience. Um, uh, I think, you know, I also just, I had no idea who I was going to be speaking with until a few days before we went live. So, you know, for me, once I realized kind of the people I was speaking with, it really kind of meant a lot. Um, just because I think these, these people are very, uh, you know, they show the future of our party. They show the, the diversity of our party. They show the leadership that we have at local, at the local level, at the federal level, young people really stepping up and making a difference. Uh, you know, Stacey Abrams, she's not that young, but you know, she's still under 50. So, um, you know, I think she's the perfect example of a young person who's really making a difference in this case when it comes to voting rights, but still, and it was kind of not, and it was kind of fun too because I met uh, Brendan Boyle uh, in New Hampshire, um, so it was kind of cool to be on stage with him, um, having you know having you know, somebody that I've that I've actually met and, and spent some time with. Um, but I think what's what's so well, I think that that field that we had, the seventeen of us, really kind of represents kind of that the Democratic Party is really the Big Ten Party, in my opinion, because we had people with all kinds of different backgrounds and perspectives. Um, but I think young people, we have such a unique opportunity to shape policy and to shape politics, not only in this election, but for generations to come. I mean, you know that we're the, we're the biggest voting bloc now. Um, and if we show up and if we vote and if we vote, I mean, obviously, young people aren't monolithic. You have young conservatives, you have young whatever libertarians, you know, you have young people all across the spectrum. But, you know, if young people really show up for Democrats, I think we can really really shaped this this election in a big way but uh you know well as young people we have i mean we live these issues so many of these issues i mean you don't have to tell us about the urgency of climate change or you know the the, the student loan the student debt crisis uh or or affordable housing i mean these are and, and we're seniors so we're going to be looking to start our lives soon um, which is kind of a scary prospect when you think about what we're up against in a lot of ways. I mean, but, but I think that, I think, you know, we have such an opportunity to really address these issues. When I was at my freshman year at UNH, the, the Dean of students like brought us all into the ice arena and said something about, you know, how our generation is the, is the next best generation or sorry, the next greatest generation rather, you know, the, the greatest generation being the world war two uh, generation. So we were, the, we were the next greatest generation and in so far that we have kind of these existential crises that we're facing. Um, and, you know, this is our opportunity to either face those things or, you know, 
that's a game over, you know? So, um, hopefully we're up for it. That's a big, that's a, that's a big challenge, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it's sink or swim at this point, you know, we really have no choice, but, to, but, to face these things. So. Right. Well, and you're, and you're taking it upon yourself to get into office and lead. And that's just very impressive. Um, and, and so what have been some of the success stories, you know, you, you climate has, was the thing that kind of got you into it. Have there been some, you know, smaller, large scale successes in the state that you've been able to accomplish and maybe on some other issues that, you know, gives you hope as you, you know, continue on and, you know, think about, uh, either running for another term or just starting your, you know, your life and continuing to focus on those issues in, in another way. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really, the reason I was so, got so interested in politics was because of climate, because I thought we have these huge, you know, these just daunting problems that are so complex that, wow, government is the only institution that can solve these in a, in a, in a fast sweeping way. And over the years, I've come to believe that that isn't necessarily the case. I mean, I think government has a very, very important uh, role to play in bringing about this sweeping change and getting people to, to change their behavior. I absolutely believe that still. But I also kind of learned that government can be very slow, um, at times ineffectual in making this change. You know, for example, the, the House and the Senate, we passed a number of, of uh, you know, kind of environmental fr environmentally friendly bills. And... I would say most, if not all, got vetoed by our governor. Um, our governor has gone kind of veto happy uh, and has, has vetoed more bills than really any governor in modern history. Uh, he vetoed like 60 bills this past, this past session, which is more than Governor Lynch did in eight years, just to put it in perspective. But anyway, I don't want to just, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to kind of say that. Anyway, we, we, we did our part to, just to, just to, just to say that. But anyway, um, you know, I think going forward, climate is still such an important issue to me. And I really think that government has a role to play. I think business has a really big role to play. And so I certainly want to get involved in business and kind of transforming business, you know, and, and just using business as a tool for good, as a tool for really addressing climate change, because I think it has such a unique role to play. It's such an important role to play. But um, certainly I'll be involved in government somehow in the future. But Climate is still my is still such an important issue to me, and I want to kind of dedicate my life to that, however I can. Um, but I mean, there were some bright points in this in this session. I think repealing the death penalty was a bright spot um, because, again, our we passed it in the House and in the Senate by very very big margins. The governor vetoed it, but we were able to override his veto by one vote, literally one vote in both the House and the Senate. So it's days like that where you feel like you're actually making a difference and doing things. Um, some days being in the house, it feels like because the votes go, you know, 230 yays, 170 days in every single vote, you kind of feel like, well, why am I even here? Uh, because it really doesn't matter how I vote, but on days like that, certainly it feels like you're making a difference. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So as we wrap up, I'm just curious about, you know, what's you know what what, what what's life going to be like after you know so what, what what are you up to outside of politics and what you know i mean you're still you're still my age i feel like you know you feel like uh you know i i don't know i feel inadequate sometimes when i talk to people like this you know i'm i've been so interested in politics for so long but you know you guys are the ones taking taking the step and uh, that's phenomenal so what you know what 
what are you thinking about next and, and what's on the horizon college wise and, uh, and career wise and just life wise? Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm a senior, like you, like you said, um, I'm going to be graduating in May. Uh, and I am running for reelection to the house. Um, but I really kind of want to just start my career, um, you know, outside of politics. And like I said, I want to go into business. That was really my first love. That was really kind of my first passion before I got the politics bug. Um, but I want to, I want to go into business for sure. That's my kind of my, my goal after I graduate. Um, and, but you know, I really have no idea where I'm going to be in like 10 years. For example, I try not to get too far ahead of myself. I try to just kind of focus on the job at hand. And, and I say this because I never would have, when I graduated high school, just for example, I was planning on going to school in DC. Um, and then I thought after I get my undergrad degree, I want to be a lawyer. And then I thought, then maybe I'll run for the house. You know, then maybe I'll run for the state house. Um, so I really, you know, I, I, I don't, I've stopped making plans um, just because I feel like it, it, things kind of fall into place. But as far as like young people getting involved in politics, my, my biggest advice is let your passions, let your issues guide you. Whatever your issues are, whatever you're passionate about, kind of let that be your guide. Because certainly that's what I did. And that's, um, that's, where I, that's how I ended up where I am right now. Um, because I think if it's about an issue, it doesn't, you don't really care so much about the personal dynamics. You don't really care about uh, what your exact role is. If you're just kind of working towards an end game, then that you let that be your guide. And I think that that allows you to be much more effective because, you know, I think once you get elected or, or whatever, sometimes it changes, your priorities change a little bit. You, you're more focused on how do I get reelected, that sort of thing. And I get it. That's what you have to do as somebody in politics. You have to always be thinking about how can I stay in here? How can I make a difference? But I think, it, you know, as an activist or whatever, you have such an opportunity to really move you know, move the rock, move the, 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 the boulder up the hill because you're caring about the issues more than anything else. I love that. I, love that. I, I, I hear that a lot from, from people in your position. It's, you know, I didn't have time to plan, but I just ran and that's what I'm up to. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's that energy. It's that excitement about the issues. And um, yeah, I mean, it gives me hope for our generation because we've got a lot to, uh, a lot to tackle, but um well, that's fantastic. I, Denny, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And uh, it's been great to hear your story. And, you know, everything from New Hampshire to, uh, to DNC stardom is, uh, is, is very cool to hear about. So uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, all the best to you uh, in college. Thanks, Porter. You too. All right. Stay safe. Thank you. A big thank you to Representative Denny Ruprecht for coming on the show. Be sure to watch his appearance at the DNC if you get a chance. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay young.